0: This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the
1: Blood Red Channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. Hello everybody and welcome to the first Behind Enemy Lines podcast of the season. We're back with the show on the Blood Red Channel, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo with myself, Patrick Smith, as Liverpool prepare for their first home game of the season against Crystal Palace under the Anfield Lights on Monday night. Well, it's far from ideal from the Reds as they struggled to snatch a two-all draw at newly promoted Fulham, whilst Palace fell Tilney at home to Arsenal last Friday. Well, joining me now to talk through all things Crystal Palace and preview the upcoming clash is Gene Sylvester, a Crystal Palace reporter with the Morning Star. Gene, welcome to the show and how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you, and thanks a lot for having me on. Very good to have you here, very good to have you here. So let's get stuck right in. I'll give you a simple question to start. What can Liverpool fans expect from Crystal Palace on Monday, if you could give us a general overview? Yeah, I think,
0: um, I think obviously going off Palace's um, uh, performance obviously against Arsenal, I think you showed the two sides of Crystal Palace, if you like. Uh, the side where um, they can be got at uh, very easily, um, where the defence can be a little bit disorganised, but the second half showed their resilience and their ability to actually put teams under pressure as well uh, once they're settling to their game. Um, obviously, it's early in the season. They've lost a few players, obviously, Christian Benteke leaving the club. Um, Connor Gallagher, who was a big loss for them, obviously, going back to Chelsea now after his loan spell. Um, so they've lost a bit of the, the cut and thrust, if you like, they had in the midfield with Connor Gallagher uh, in there. But um, they've got a, the new guy come in, uh, check uh, Decore, uh, the midfielder from Lons, who's come in. Um, not in the same mould as Connor Gallagher, um, a much more composed Deeper sitting midfielder, very much in the in the mould of Patrick Vieira himself, to be honest with you. Um, so I think uh, with that with that inclusion in the team, they're gonna have a little bit more composure in the midfield, probably. Um, but yeah, I think they'll be coming in and looking to to get as much as they can out of the game, and I think a draw they'd be more than happy with uh, just to get their season up and running.
1: Well, yeah, you mentioned the Decoy there. You know, Palace you turned a lot ahead of heads last season. You found a young, attacking, exciting side. Loads of people this season calling them dark horses for a top, push, top half push this season. Yeah, so what's changed between last season's side and this season? I think um, I think Conor Gallagher was a huge part of their of their system uh,
0: last last year. I think we saw Patrick Vieira come in to take over from Roy Hodgson, um, and obviously he came with a much more progressive approach in terms of their play. And as a result, Conor Gallagher really really fit into that. Uh, then you had the young Michael Elise as well, who was brought in uh, and really put some really good performances in that performances in, sorry, out on the right-hand side as well. Uh, so as a result, uh, they were much more confident going forward. They were able to create a lot more chances. They were much more comfortable comfortable in possession of the ball as well. Um, I think now with Conor Gallagher going, they lose a bit of that going forward. Even though I think um, the, the hope is that uh, Eze, Richie Eze, will step into that mould now uh, going forward. I think... Uh, my personal opinion is that in terms of Eze, uh, he has great ability. He's got the ability, that, you know, the natural ability to to really be a big player. He doesn't have the energy of Gallagher. You know, Gallagher, as we saw last season, he really puts himself about as well as uh, being able to, to uh, provide an impact in the final third of the pitch as well. Um, I think they lose that cut and thrust, that I say, uh, with Eze, however... Uh, with Eze in the team, he, he's one of those players that at the flick of a switch, he can he can just turn a game on its head with one piece of brilliance. And that's something that Liverpool are going to have to be kind of um, uh, weary of, if you like, uh, yeah, come Monday night.
1: Yeah, I mean, Eze is yeah, certainly he's one he's of the seven most seven, exciting ones. you know. So what do you think, you know, Eze is obviously a talent you've got. Elise Zaha, there's so many really strong players. What is the main area of strength for Palace? who are the key days when, you know, where can they really hurt Liverpool on Monday night? Yeah, good,
0: good question. I think for me, uh, in terms of them going forward, um, uh, they have the the big striker Mateta, um, who uh, at the end of last season he was starting to get more games. I think, um, definitely under the Royal Hodgson regime, after he, I think, scored a, on his debut against their against their sorry local rivals, Brighton, um, and uh, with a, with a great backfield back effort. And uh, Roy Hodgson didn't seem to really, really fancy him. But since Patrick Vieira's come in, they've been getting a lot more opportunities on the pitch. Um, and he's really put in some, some really great performances. One of his best performances last season was against Manchester City at Selhurst Park when they drew nil nil, And he really ran the back four ragged with his pace, with his strength, and the ability to hold up the ball and bring other players into play as well. Uh, so for me, I think um, if Patrick does go uh, with Mateta, uh, starting from, from the start, I think he's the one that could really cause problems for us, you know, in terms of our back four. He'll really get in amongst, obviously, Virgil and and Joel uh, uh, in the middle of the park there. Um, And that can obviously bring in in opportunities for other players. So, for me, that's the biggest danger. As I mentioned, Eze, uh, you can never really write him off. You can never be too complacent when he's on the pitch. Um, He can obviously uh, pull out a moment of brilliance uh, out of his hat. And also, you've got, obviously, Wilfred Zaha, who, again, you know, the the, uh, the long-standing Palace talisman. Who usually comes up with a an important goal every now and then for them. Uh, probably not as regular as he used to, probably before his Man United um, stint. But uh, but yeah, definitely. Um, there's a couple of players there that I think uh, on their day can definitely cause us problems. And the last one I'm going to actually add, which not a lot of people talk about, is Jordan Ayu. I mean... The work rate that he puts in down that right uh, is ridiculous, you know. So he'll be tracking Robo back, um, and then he'll be taking the other way as well. Very strong in possession of the ball. He'll win free kicks, you know, in that final third as well, giving them opportunities to load the bo- load the box. So um, yeah, there's a, there's a there's a few different um, uh, uh, threats, if you like, that we need to be aware of. And obviously, going going uh, after uh, the Fulham game on Saturday, I think we uh, we need to be really taking taking Palace as serious contenders again uh, to come up there and, uh, and try and get something.
1: Yeah, he was often criminally underrated, is he? he's the forgotten man of that Palace attack, really. I'm going to ask Absolutely. you now the flip side of that previous question. What are the weak spots in Palace's side, and where will Liverpool look to mainly exploit them?
0: Yeah, good question again. Uh, for me, the weak spots are, uh, are their fullback positions, which obviously falls right into Liverpool's hands, uh, obviously with the ability that we have out wide. Um, I think the young boy, uh, Tyreek Mitchell, I think he suffered a, a blow of confidence pretty much since his... Um, since the England debut, actually. I think uh, he was really highly rated. He was putting in some really good, solid performances for for the club, hence why he obviously earned the uh, the call-up to the England squad. Didn't have the greatest game uh, in the game of remember who England were playing at the time. He didn't have the greatest game. And to be fair, since then, he hasn't seemed to really get back up to that level of performance that he was showing uh, that earned him the call-up in the first place. I definitely think Tariq Mitchell uh, is definitely a, an area that Liverpool can, can exploit. Uh, the other one being the uh, right-back the right, the right back area, where I don't know if Patrick really knows his best, his first choice right-back, if you like. He's got, obviously, a choice between Joel Ward uh, and, obviously, Nathaniel Klein, obviously, an ex-Liverpool player. Um, neither, I think, have really provided the the confidence that Patrick Vieira would like in his right-back. So, I think he went with uh, Klein on a, a, against Arsenal. Um. Could well be going with Joel Ward uh, coming back into the squad again uh, for the Liverpool game, probably with a bit more experience. I say a bit more experience, I keep forgetting how old Klein is. He's forever young for me. Um, But yeah, uh, he may well go back with Joel Ward, who's probably a little bit more defensively uh, solid and astute maybe than Klein is, where Mm -hmm. Klein's ability has always really been going forward, hasn't it? Behind Enemy Lines on the Blood Red Channel.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely, Nathaniel Klein, it's such a shame to see the spiral of his career because he's so promising at Liverpool, those horrible injuries. He's still coming back from it now and hopefully he can get yeah. to be the shell of the player. But I think Ward's probably the better shot at defending against Luis Diaz as well because that'd be a, a return to Anfield to forget for Nathaniel Klein, potentially. <laughs> but you know, the main talk with Palace, so there's three weeks left of the transfer window, just under three weeks. So, Vieira spoke at his press conference today that he wants to strengthen the squad. You mentioned at the top of the show you've lost Christian Menteke, former Liverpool player. Now, do you think if Palace were to recruit, do you think you need to recruit a striker? Is that the main area of concern? You know, you've got those amazing attacking options playing off the striker, but yeah. there's not quite the bagsman up front, is there?
0: Indeed, indeed. Yeah, you're right. I, if I'm honest with you, if, sorry, if I'm honest with you, however, I still believe that maybe the midfield department is where they really need to, really need to do some business. And They've lost uh, Cech Teote, uh, obviously, who, who moved on. Um, I think he left it on a free. I'm not sure where he's gone. I think he might have gone uh, maybe to Qatar. Uh, now, or he's looking at options, definitely in that uh, that region uh, of the world. Uh, obviously, we've lost uh, Conor Gallagher, if you like, as well uh, from the club, also. Uh, so, I think at the moment they they they're probably scraping. I shouldn't say scraping the barrel, but they're looking at having to now deploy players who last season were probably seen as you know as uh, as squad players. Um, for example, Jeffrey Schlupp, who started the game against Arsenal uh, on on uh, Friday as well. You know last season he wasn't really a starter definitely came in for certain games again he's got certain qualities that i know vieira likes in terms of you know again that's that strength and and pace and and um, and directness if you like from the middle of the park but i think uh, in terms of their recruitment going forward uh, my personal opinion is the midfield area is definitely a priority for them um, obviously they've got edward and um, and mateta up front as you say um i think that the, the the problem with them maybe is that they don't get the service maybe uh, that they require. Um, I think you've got Wilfred Zaha, who we know likes to hold on to the ball probably a little bit longer than he should do uh, most times. I think when Elise is in the team, I think he's a great source of um, of, uh, of ammunition uh, for the strikers because he really looks to get in on his left cut in on his left foot and get a, a quick rip-crossing. Uh, so I think someone like Mateta with his obviously uh, presence would definitely uh, benefit from that. Um, so yeah, I think midfield area and definitely I think the fullback areas as well Again, um, they lost the left-back, the Dutch left-back, which I can't remember his name now, uh, Van Van Arnholt, sorry, uh, who left obviously last season. They don't really have the backup in that area for Tyreek Mitchell anymore or someone to provide the the competition for him, if you like. So they really could do with maybe recruiting in the full-back areas as well and really make that Defense a little bit more solid. They did great business with Anderson and, and Guy, um, uh in terms of solidifying and, and, and bringing some youth back into the center of the center of the defense for them. I think they could do with getting some more youth maybe around them uh, in the fullback areas and yeah, just a bit more solidity there if you like.
1: Yeah, Mark Gay is someone I love as a player, no idea why Chelsea, I mean they've let so many players go Chelsea from their academy but he's another one in that long line, especially centre arms, what are they doing letting him go but another Chelsea academy boy Conor Gallagher obviously was on loan last season, mm-hmm. do you think Palace are missing him slightly this year because you know the past, the games from last season against Liverpool, Gallagher was so impressed, remember the one at Palace, you know the late fight back, well yes. Liverpool held off the late fight back without being a penalty, are they yes. really missing Conor Gallagher so far this season because obviously They've been goalless against Arsenal, struggling with attacking options. Are they almost missing that threat from midfield?
0: Without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, I think I think Conor Gallagher. What he brought to Palace last season was a little bit of pizzazz, if you like, in the middle of the park. Even though, as I say, he's got the he's got the he's got it in his makeup to actually get a, get stuck in as well, which is a great combination to have. Kind of reminds me again of you know a bit of Luis Suarez. You know, he had the silky skills, but he'd also get stuck in when he needed to. So they really missed that pizzazz from the middle of the park, that attacking intent from the middle of the park uh, to, to really back up the strikers. Um, I think I've, I mean, I've heard, heard you know whispers that. Palace are probably going to look to see whether they may be able to get him back on loan again this season. Um, if you look at Connor, obviously at Chelsea, Chelsea are blessed within the midfield department, um, and obviously they're looking at still bringing in more recruitments. Obviously, looking like the De Jong deal might go through there, so he may be looking at that and saying, "Well, my chances are still going to be limited here." Um, it's a World Cup year, you know. He started to flirt with the uh, with the World Cup uh, England with the England squad, sorry, as well. So he'd probably be um, harboring hopes of, of getting on that plane to Qatar as well. So for me, it's not uh, it's not out of the woods yet, or it's not out of uh, the realm's possibility that he may find himself back at Palace for another another season long, which I think would benefit the player. I think it benefits um, Palace and it also benefits Chelsea because he gets another year's experience, Premier League experience under his belt as well. Um, but yeah, definitely from the first game, you, you just didn't see where that spark was coming from. Whenever Gallagher got on the ball last season, there was a real uplift in the crowd. You know, he was always looking to, to, uh, to, to you know, make incisive making passes, always going for the return ball, always looking to take a shot on from the edge of the box. Really exciting player and uh, Chelsea are looking to have him. So yeah, uh, I think Palace will be hoping they can maybe work something out and bring him back on, on loan again this season.
1: Yeah, definitely a move that makes sense for everyone. Chelsea, with their team on midfield, it's going to be difficult for him. And obviously now with the World Cup uh, squad size being enhanced, there's probably a chance for other teams to take another midfielder. So I think he'll definitely be looking at a move. But let's move back around to Palace. So generally this season, what would look like success? I mean, naturally, the teams like Palace, it's you want a cup run, either the League Cup, the FA Cup, obviously got to the semi-finals last year and fortunately lost that. Would mm. they hope for the same again or maybe even a shock charge for Europe if things go well?
0: Yeah, I think I think Palace fans. I think Palace fans are really happy if they're solidifying a top ten position. I think a top ten, bearing in mind they've fledged with relegation for so many years. Um, also, the fact that Patrick Vieira brought this new brand of football to the club as well, um, which is much more entertaining, obviously, than the Roy, Hedge, Roy Hodgson area. So I think the, the fans really appreciate that and appreciate the fact that the the uh, the team is a lot more progressive and and actually looking to go and actually impose their game on teams as opposed to just sitting back and soaking up and, and trying to hit on on the break so as a result i think the fans uh the fans sorry have the patience with patrick vieira in terms of what he's trying to do they can see what he's trying to do um so i think they'll be happy with a top 10 finish uh, if they're comfortably within the top 10 and not having to look over their shoulders come march next year i think that would be more than uh uh, uh uh if you like acceptable for the for the palace fans yeah i think obviously the uh the cup run they had last year um I think that gave them a bit of a taste, if you like, for the big time, right, in terms of the cup competitions. So I'm sure they'll be looking probably, you know, with a bit of a side eye and maybe trying to go deep into one of the cup competitions again this season. I've got to say, what a shame Liverpool didn't meet Palace in that final. It would have been an absolutely amazing atmosphere. Palace really, really bought, and funnily enough, they were at the same end as as, as the Liverpool fans were in the previous semi-final as well. And uh, that end just seemed to be the end, which luckily enough was where we were sitting. Uh, so, yeah, they, they really came with a great uh, great atmosphere. So, yeah, I'd love to uh, have seen Liverpool versus Palace at the final, just, just for the atmosphere alone.
1: <laughs> Maybe there'll be another cut for end this year. And it's certainly exciting times. I mean, I've got a lot of respect for Roy Hodgson as a man, but... Any Roy Hodgson side moving to a new manager, it's going to be exciting no matter who's the new boss, I think, in that scenario. But let's bring it back on. Those PTSD memories of circa 2011, (laughs) getting bullied in school every morning about Roy Hodgson's team. Anyway, let's move back to my night. So are there any notable injuries or suspensions within the Crystal Palace squad who have missed the match at Anfield?
0: Yeah, so Michael Olise is probably the biggest um, omission uh, from the opening day fixture. Uh, I believe he's back in training now, and I think Patrick in his press conference today mentioned the fact that um, that he, he could well be included in the squad uh, come Monday, but it's probably unlikely that he'll start match uh so that's the main suspension really there uh that uh in terms of a player that would come straight into the into the starting lineup had he been fit previously other than that they've pretty much got a a fully fit squad um i think james MacArthur probably is another one that's uh that's still i think still down with an injury as well um so those are the two main injury injury concerns for crystal palace so i i i foresee them probably going with a pretty similar lineup to to the one they started with at, um at home against arsenal and i say uh the only the only possible kind of toss-up is between maybe Klein and, and Joel Ward, but otherwise I think they'll go with the same, especially with their second-half performance where they started to actually get it together. Um, I think they'll probably go with that starting lineup again and an opportunity again to go and and see if they can uh, put in a similar a similar performance as their second-half performance suggested on Friday.
1: I mean, yeah, you touched on my next question there. The next one was, what do you reckon the shape and starting eleven? If you had to it will be for Palace.
0: Yeah, I think I think they're going obviously with their uh, Gator uh, as a goalkeeper. Again, Joel Ward on Nathaniel Klein right back, and then it'll be Anderson, Gay, and Mitchell uh, at the left back uh, position. And then I think they'll be starting with Decoré in the middle, um, Jeffrey Schlupp, and Eze, as uh, Eze being the obviously the, the furthest forward of the three in the middle of the park. And uh, then they'll be more than likely going with Zaha on the left. And uh, then they'll probably go with Edward. I I think they might actually switch out Edward for Mateta. Um, I think, again, as I talked about earlier, Mateta's physical presence alone um, and also target man kind of uh, attributes uh, allows them to look for that out ball, uh, obviously, if they are under pressure at Anfield on Monday night. So I think Mateta may come in for Edouard, uh, and then I think they'll stick with, i uh, will say, the workhorse, um, AU, on the right hand side as well. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's my my prediction for their lineup on Monday.
1: Good stuff. And now for the last and most hated question on this podcast of a score prediction. It's actually quite an interesting one because you are a Liverpool fan but a Crystal Palace supporter. So you might not be as downbeat as most of the guests on the show <laughs> with a score prediction. So what go on, give you a shout for the game.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm I'm going three 0 if I'm honest with you. Uh yeah, I think um, I think I think Klopp would have got into um they yeah, got into the players after that after that performance on on the weekend i think we were really lethargic i was at the game as well reported for the morning star uh, we just seemed really lethargic um you know fulham just just didn't give us time to settle on the ball we wanted too much time on the ball at times um, so i don't think uh, we'll get two performances like that in a row so i think liverpool will really come out of fighting It's the first game at anfield of the season as well uh, obviously the, the atmosphere is going to be electric uh, so i really see us yeah uh, putting in a really good performance i'm i'm going to say 3-0 i'm going to say hopefully another goal for him um, for darwin as well
1: yeah, absolutely the same for me. I'll, I'll go 4 and it'll just to be a bit different. I think they need, a, they need a big reaction after that match at Fulham. And, that, you know, young Klopp's sides often when they've had a bad result come out and absolutely smash someone, unfortunately, for Palace's sake. And I think uh, Nunes will definitely grab at least one goal. But anyway, Indeed. we'll leave it there. Gene Sylvester, thank you so much for joining me. We'll, of course, right. wait and see what happens on the match. We've got loads of pre-match content to delve into, as well as all the post-match reactions. So be sure to catch us in the usual places of the Blood Red YouTube channel on whichever platform you get your podcasts from. But for now, though, thank you for watching and listening. For Myself, Patrick Smith, and Gene Sylvester. Thank you for your time and your company. It's goodbye for now.
0: You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.